Hey, everybody. Welcome to Driving Him In with Jim Campanis Jr. and Eric Lenneberg. Uh, this show was conceived uh, for Eric and I to talk baseball while I'm driving home on my two-hour commute uh, once a week. So here we are on our Thursday episode. And uh, Eric, how are you doing, first of all? I'm doing great today, Kathy. How about you? I'm doing great. I had a little uh, little uh, cross-country travel adventure yesterday of 17 hours. And uh, thank goodness it was east heading west, so I got to catch up on the three-hour sleep last night. I'm golden. How about yourself? <laughs> it's am great, too. Doing fantastic. All right. All right. So one of the things, Eric, you and I were kind of talking about um, is some of the surprises that we've seen this year. And can these teams sustain this level of play throughout the long and grueling season? Uh, so why don't you tell me your your teams, the teams that you believe are sort of surprising everyone this year? And uh, by the way, I'm in 100% agreement with your choices. So let's let, let's let everybody hear what you're thinking. Okay, right off the bat, the Tampa Rays uh, holding sure. on to first place, um, and I, I don't think you can name three players on that team. But <laughs> what about, I, I know Snell. I know Snell because he won the Cy Young, and, and I don't know his first name. But I know his last name is Snell. Yeah, How's that? the funny thing is about enough? Snell is, yeah, and, he, and he's not that effective so far this year. He's, I think I he's two that. and three or something. So right. it's a lot I of the young that. players yeah. that uh, are helping them hold on to first place. Now, it also helps that the Yankees, who are in second place, are a couple games behind. Basically, as you and I talked about, they are not the New York Yankees. They're the Columbus Clippers. That's right. Missing, and if, 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 if some of those folks out there don't know, that's the uh, Yankees AAA team, by the way. And uh, yeah. recently they, they played the Angels. I happened to uh, watch one of those games on local uh, cable. And it was like, like who? Who's that? Who's that? Like, I mean, it was, it was you know, it, we're so used to the, the, the superstars ever since I was a kid. You know, if you wanted right. to see superstars play, you, you'd watch the Yankees. And their their bench sometimes were guys who were on the All Star team the year before, you know, on the on that other right. team. And uh, and there here here you have this you know team of a bunch of young twenty year olds, uh, and they're they're doing an adequate job. I, I, to, the, to to my surprise, though, granted they still have some of their pitchers. Um, right. I know CeCe's having a pretty decent year despite his age. I think he's sort of reinvented himself. Um, and and I don't know if he's got. I think he's announced his retirement. But I yes, wonder if, uh, yeah, I wonder though if he can sustain this level of success. I don't know if he's going out because he wants to go out with a bang, or or if he's got something left in the tank. But uh, we we've seen these uh, so-called announced uh, uh, retirements uh, change once the guy realizes that hey, I can, I think I can do this again another year. You know, so we'll yes. see how that that works out. Um, so the, one thing they're doing with this, CC, with CC, they're throwing him five innings. And then the Yankees have the bullpen. They've got an incredible bullpen. Right. right. So they trot out four other guys, one inning each, after he throws his five. And that's, that's I think, the key to how he's able to sustain. Well, and isn't that what, what Major League Baseball is really asking for the starters anymore? If you give me five, I'll give you a chance to win this game, you know? It really is. It, it, it is that way. It was odd. Uh, the other night, Mike Fires pitched a no-hitter for the A's, uh, second no-hitter of his career. Through 137 pitches, and that seemed I, I to be that. all the broadcasters could talk about was his pitch count. And right. I was thinking, man, that, that's the guy just pitching no hitter for God's sake. Uh, forget the pitch count; it's not going to affect his next start or anything. But that's the state of the game as we know it. The statistics have become fundamentally uh, so important to the teams. 
Well, I have a, I have a, I, I've told you about this little, there's like a secret um, group on Facebook for former professional baseball players and you have to be like invited in and everything. So I got invited in a few years ago and of yeah. course it's a lot of debauchery and, and stuff like similar, like stuff we did in the clubhouse and, and yeah. that's all fun and, and dandy, but you know, every now and then there's some pretty cool posts that are put in there. So this one guy put like, like a, he clipped out, like did a screenshot of his grandpa's baseball reference. Um, you know, you know the, the the baseball reference website where it shows you know player stats and everything. Oh yeah. And uh, and it showed his his grandpa pitched 358 innings in Double A one year. Um, he he pitched in 56 different like he started 56 games in a season. Can you can you imagine 56 <laughs> games? That's like that's like every third game just about. He he was pitching in every, like about every third game. Uh, and and for the, that amount of innings, I mean, it's unheard of to throw uh, even 200 innings nowadays, let alone 350. I mean, my gosh. So I, I laugh when I hear these announcers, uh, you know, talk about 138 pitches is a lot. I mean, it is by today's standards, but come on, let's you think about yeah. you know Cy, Cy Young and and Walter Johnson and these guys who back in the day there was not even there wasn't even such a thing as a relief pitcher. Like you you threw nine that day. Uh, you know, you threw a double header if if you if you won the first game and didn't throw too many pitches, you know. Right. So uh, uh, that that went on right into the '60s and even '70s. There was a famous game that the Giants and Braves played for 16 innings, and Warren Spahn and Juan Marichal both pitched all 16 innings. Right. So, right. And in the '70s, I remember Wilbur Wood of the White Sox pitching both ends of the double header, starting. But well, uh, and that's one of I think the. One of the things that I think is unique about our little show here is, you know, I, I played college and, and pro baseball. You played college baseball. I did, I've did. i done, uh, you know, marketing with my after baseball thing, and I've, I've done marketing for a number of different uh, minor league, primarily minor league uh, teams and local um, major league teams in California and L.A. And, and you've gone right. on and, and done similar, you know, baseball, uh, uh, you know, jobs like, you know, announcing and PA announcing and radio announcing, and you've also done podcasts. So I think it's right. kind of interesting, and I, I want people to really remember that, you know, we're not just giving you an opinion based on, like, what we read in an article or, or what have you. Maybe we got some information, but, you know, you and I went through things firsthand, firsthand uh, and, and although you, you were a Sun Devil and I was a USC Trojan, <laughs> and, and your colors were almost cardinal and gold, uh, but that's okay. But, you know, and I, by the way, I, I graduated from Arizona State. So I love, that's right. I, I, still, I, I love that school. But when it comes to baseball, man, those guys were like our arch rivals, and and uh, they had some really good players, and we battled those guys tough. So I have nothing but respect when I brag on you, Eric. You know that, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, but no, that I just I think that's important when you understand the context of where you know some of our answers and some of our things are coming from, and of course, um, you know, having having a, a sort of also being both of us baseball historians. Uh, and also sort of being at a lot of games, a lot of, you know, uh, kind of very memorable games, games that are, are in the, in the you know, sort of the, the the history of all great, you know, especially Los Angeles games. You know, you and I had a, have, have, uh, have had a, an opportunity to see a lot of great players. And, and uh, now I, I never did. My dad caught Sandy Koufax, but, you know, and I probably was at a game when he pitched, but you know, I was like, like, like not, not not even no. In fact, I wasn't. He 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 retired in '66, so I missed him. Uh, but did you ever get a chance to see Drysdale or Kofax or any of those guys when you were younger? I did. I did. Uh, in fact, the first 
major league game I attended was Sandy Koufax pitching against Jim Bunning of the Phillies. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and here's, here's what I remember. My uh, older brother and my dad telling me, watch this guy, talking about Koufax, because someday you're going to tell your kid that you saw him pitch. And at the time, that right. meant nothing to me. But sure enough, I did years later. Uh, and by the way, Sandy won that game one to nothing. He shut out the Phillies and Jim Bunning. I saw Drysdale pitch because, you know, he pitched until 69. I saw him, oh, probably a dozen times over the years. Okay. And still remember it well. Well, one quick funny story about Drysdale. Um, first of all, you know, my grandpa was uh, at the time when, when my dad was a Dodger, uh, especially when he was in the in the when the minors, uh, he would get a chance to go to big league camp, you know, to try to make the team. Uh, right. But he was, but he had like a number like seventy five or you know some way high up number, which kind of meant like you weren't going to make the team, you know. Which I seem <laughs> to have that same thing when I played. But I remember he told me the story, and and I ver- it was verified when I met Don Drysdale as a kid. But uh, my dad would, would 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 love to talk about this. But Drysdale was such a like a hardcore guy like he hazed the young guys like he was kind of a, one of those hazer guys and i remember uh after, yeah after a long a long day uh they had like this sort of like formula it wasn't gatorade but it was sort of the gatorade of the day like some kind of a, of a juice that they had like a like a like a you know a, a thirst quenching juice of some sort so my yeah. dad filled up like my dad filled up a glass and put some ice in there and he was just about ready to take his first drink of this after a long hot day in the florida sun and Drysdale saw him, ran over, and knocked it out of his hand. And he goes, Not, you don't get a heavy of that until you're a big leaguer, son. You know, like, like already <laughs> working him. And my dad was super pissed, and he wanted to punch him. And he's like, okay, you know what, I'm just going to let – he's the veteran. And, and so I remember he, he was so gratified, and he told this story to Drysdale. So Drysdale, my dad made the team, and Drysdale walked over with, a, with, a, with one of those glasses of water – or, I mean, juice – and he said, okay, all right, son, you deserve it. Here you go. And my dad thought that was like one of the most awesome things where, you know, um, he said he felt, he felt like he, he made, Drysdale made him feel like he was, you know, on, on the part of the team, like on right. the social side too, you know. So a reason I bring that up is because, you know, as we look out at, you know, the, the pictures of today, um, and just as we were talking about this, you know, in between our topic, I, I thought just a quick question. Like how how would you compare like those two guys? Obviously Hall of Famers, um, um, and the, and obviously no one really pitches like Drysdale anymore with this intimidation. Maybe to some degree, but you know Drysdale would put it in your ear when when there weren't helmets. You know what I mean? He didn't That's care. That's right. Um, That's right. How, how do you how do you think or, or like like Kovac and Drysdale would fare in today's game with with the way that it's become? You know, I would say a lot more. Um, uh, what's the word? Um, gentle? Uh, gentle? Yes. Is that the word? Um, okay. That is the word. That is the word. A kinder, gentler baseball. Baseball. Right. right. I think it would be to their detriment because you're talking about two guys who were fierce competitors. Everyone knows that about Drysdale, but a lot of people don't realize Kofax had the same kind of drive. Uh, and let's talk about hitting batters for a second. Drysdale, I think, is still the all time major league leader in hit batsman. And, uh, when they, I read a story about uh, the famous fight when Juan Marichal hit Roseboro with the bat. Right. Uh, Colfax pitched that game. And in the early innings, Maury Willis, I guess, got hit by uh, Marichal. And as soon as he got back to the dugout, Colfax was right there saying, okay, who do you want me to drill? So, you know, 
there's this myth that has arisen about Koufax over the years that he was this nice guy that wouldn't hit anybody. Not true. He would not throw above above the shoulders. He knew he could kill somebody, but you know, he hit guys too. I think today their ah, boy, their competitiveness and their drive would be kind of wasted because they wouldn't be throwing more than two hundred innings and Right. You know, no, in today's I, atmosphere, you don't hit batters like they did, you know. Right. No, I think that that's, that's a valid point. And, you know, that's one of the things, too, where people are like, well, man, there, there's so many more home runs hit nowadays. And I'm thinking, well, that's because no one's not getting knocked on their ass anymore either, you know. That's right. And, that's right. You know, and I think, it. I mean, as a hitter, if a guy throws one at my neck, and then throws a slider away. I'm not hitting that slider away very, very with very much authority. You know what I mean? That's Never did. That's right. And when I called those pitches and did that to another batter, um, same same result. Now, obviously, um, you know, we're not seeing that like we used to, uh, if ever. And a lot of times, when the guy lets uncorks one and just misses someone's face, you know, they they say they're sorry. You know. Yeah. And. Yeah. Um, and and I think the, the players, you know, it, at some level they realize, look, there's so much money at stake for all of us. Let's like not hurt anybody or, or ruin anyone's career. And I, I'm good with that. I think that that's, you know, but at the same time, you know, I'm I'm not ruining your career by throwing one at your, you know, not at your neck necessarily, but at your at your ribs or at your right. shoulder and and making you move and then coming low and away. Um, right. Yeah, you know, I think that that's you know uh, something that is is just lost. And we were doing it in high school, right? And like now, oh, yeah. you you would probably get suspended if you were a high school coach telling the kid to throw up and into the batter, you know, which is sad. But uh, okay, yeah, so let's get back on time. it. I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. I remember playing one time and getting three that were up and in, and I knew the next pitch was going to be low and away. I still couldn't do anything with it. Right. So, you right. know, that's part of the intimidation. It's part of the game, or at least it was when we played. No, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I know we got off topic a little bit, but I think it's, it's again, important for the, the audience to sort of understand that, you know, we, we know a little bit about the game um, on the field and, you know, uh, let's sort of say analyzing what we're seeing on the field, too. So, uh, right. And so we talked a little bit about, about so yeah, what, uh, innings what pitch. Was, yeah, what, what, yeah, what was, oh, do you want to go with innings pitch? Okay, go for it. For a second, yeah. Because it, it leads to the team with the best record in baseball right now is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, that's not a surprise, and we're talking about surprises today. But I just want to mention, uh, I was reading an article today where Dave Roberts was saying if they can get 140 innings out of Rich Hill and Hin Jin Ryu, 140 innings each, they're going to be very happy. Now, 140 wow. innings, that's like uh, 18 to 20 starts, I think. Right. But that's the way right. they're structured, and that's the way a lot of teams are set up now. So, you know, you're not seeing pitchers throwing 300 innings anymore. You're not seeing 200 innings anymore. No. But, uh, and mentioning the Dodgers, they're in first place in that division. But a couple teams that are surprising, especially the San Diego Padres. Now, they're I think they're three and a half games behind the Dodgers. But they're hanging in there and, you know, name three Padres besides Manny Machado. Well, uh, actually, you know what? I thought, I thought of the same thing, and then I watched them play uh, recently – because I wanted to see Machado, um, you know, playing like you know, having at bat, and uh, yeah. like so. Will Myers is there. Um, Grandall is the catcher. Um, uh, God, there's a couple other guys. I, I'm drawing a blank right now, but they, yeah, their their lineup was, was actually pretty impressive. You know, when I saw it, when you just look at the names, yeah. um, and and th- and it's not like they're you know Hall of Fame level guys, but they're solid. You know, and, and you, you know you look at 
Yeah, and you look at you know other teams in the division like the Giants, and that's not a solid lineup this year. You know they have their they have a couple of really good players, but you know it's not it's not the same sort of you know solid one through you know eight without the that's pitcher right. throwing, of course. Um, but I, I do right. see the Padres have um, what I would call you know a lineup that is above average, and if Machado gets hot or, or or some of these guys can get hot every now and then and carry the team while the other guys are are not hot. You know that's where you know you you start to see um, uh, you know teams go on streaks and and really yeah. when you when it comes down to it you know every single team in the league that that wins it will have had some kind of a streak I, I think if you recall um, was it last year or the year before where the Indians had like a streak of the most consecutive wins ever yes uh, and then they ended up winning the division but they didn't run away with it they they won it but they didn't run away with it and right you know without that streak. Uh, it, it might have been a, a different result when it came down to the 162nd game. So right. um, that's where I see the Padres being dangerous. If they can, like, you know, go on a streak, let's say against a couple of, you know, like two two or three series of against, you know, average or low below average teams, and yes. the Dodgers go against, you know, the Astros, and they go against, you know, say the um, the Brewers or or some you know, t- some tough teams that are going to battle them. Uh, and they come out 500. Well, well, that's when, uh, you know, the um, oh, with the, we we got we got uh, the bullpen barking. Hear that? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I, I was just going to say that I I think that that's the one thing the Dodgers need to watch out for is are the Padres, um, and also the I think if if the if the Dodgers do end up um, sticking with like a good what would you you would you say like like a good strong um, end of season sort of run. Um, that they they could potentially um, make the, the 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 Padres could potentially be the wild card team, and uh, uh, one of the wild. I think card there's teams a good possibility they, of that. Yeah, and and uh, and then again, you never know what's going to happen when the playoffs come and, and team gets hot or a pitcher gets hot, and right. all of a sudden now you got you know you got a, a, a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, and that, you mentioned pitching. San Diego's pitching, a bunch of young guys that. We're in Triple A last year. Chris Paddock leading the way, are having an outstanding start to the season. But they're being used the way pitchers are used in six or seven innings, and they go to the bullpen. Uh, I can't remember the name of their relievers, but they got some good relief pitchers. Uh, Craig Stammen is their closer, who used to be with right. Washington. Right. Uh, let me talk about Machado for a second, because uh, last season I was very vocal. After he signed with the Dodgers, I think they won in spite of him. I really do. Uh, okay. He never had a defining moment as a Dodger, like a three home run game or any walk off or anything. And when they uh, made the deal for him, there were three games ahead in first place. And as you might remember, the last 10 days of the season, they had to come from behind to force the one game playoff. And I don't remember him doing anything in the postseason other than making the last out in the World Series. So here he is in San Diego, and he's hitting about 250. He has three or four home runs. Maybe. He's considered a veteran leader there. This guy's only 26 years old. So I don't think his signing made that much of a difference to the Padres. Maybe it did. Maybe it did because of his clubhouse presence. But uh, both Machado and Harper, who we'll talk about in a minute, are not performing as $300 million players. No, and, I, and I've always believed this, even from, you know, even when someone, you know, got, you know, back in the day, like they got, you know, let's say a million dollar deal. Um, 
and back when you know uh, you know a billion dollar deal was you know consider considerably higher than everybody else is getting paid. Right. Um, you would almost always see a drop in that that player's first year back, especially in a multi year deal. And I always feel like it's human nature. It's like, okay, I've worked my whole life for this moment. I got it. And, it, you know, and, and I've also I even expected a little bit out of Trout, who I, I think is one of the greatest work ethics to the point where he he still feels hungry that he has a lot more to accomplish despite having one of the greatest starts in Major League history. Right. But, you know, you see that with, you know, um, Sandoval that happened to him, you know, with over when he was with San Francisco and then with the Boston and now he's back with San Francisco. Um, you see this with, you saw that with, with Hamilton, you know, I, I could go down the long list of players who yes. got the fat, got the fat contract and took a nap and um, they never became the players that they used to be. Uh, but they, they hit, they hit payday, you know? And so, yeah. You know, I, again, if I was a GM, even even though with Trout, and I, I had mentioned this on other shows, that, you know, even though he's my favorite player, and he probably would have said, you know, maybe yes to this, I don't know, but I would have said, look, what do you want a year? Oh, you want 40? How about this? I'll give you 80 for five years. So you, I'll right. give you the money you want, but for five years, and then um, then, then we'll renegotiate, you know. But, but to me, that maybe not give him the, the double it, but maybe – you know, time and a half or something of what he wanted. Um, so, you know, 40 and, and 20, so maybe 60, 50, 60 a year. Uh, to me, you know, that's going to give that player, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, set for life, obviously, but now I'm going to have to keep performing if I want to keep playing, and I'm going to have right. to, you know, have some solid last three years of my contract. Um, you know, I don't know if you heard what Puig said. Puig said, okay, now I'm in my free agencies next year. So uh, I'm going to start working really hard now. It's like, yeah, what were you doing the last do six years at the Dodgers? You know, come on. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I don't know. That, that's my, my, my personal, like, uh, feeling when it comes to these these contracts and, and, and what what can happen. And, and I kind of feel like that's what's happening with uh, Machado or could potentially happen because he's a self-professed lazy ass, as he's called right. himself, or, or lazy person. Anyway. Um, All right, so, okay, it, so he may he may be in the postseason again with the Padres. I think the Padres have a good chance to be a, a wild card team. I do uh, too, and I think you know they're gonna they're gonna beat up on some of the the weaker um, Central Division teams like the Reds um, and, and right. the uh, some of the weaker teams on the uh, National League East side as well. Plus, they're gonna have what like 18 games for the year against the the lowly Giants, and yeah, you know they can right. they, they can change the the court. And again, the Giant Dodger rivalry. Sometimes even when the Giants stink, like they did uh, when Joe Morgan hit that big home run, just knocking out of the, the playoffs a couple you know, that several years ago. Right. Um, it, there's always that rivalry. I know this being a UCLA or USC Trojan, we had the UCLA conundrum, and I know you as a Sun Devil um, when you played U of A, like it didn't That's matter right. who was who was good or bad that year. It was who was who's going to be good or bad today because right. of the rivalry factor. So that's right. Um, I, I think the, the I think I think Major League Baseball like is forced to to give you a, a, a rival like even if you don't have like a geographic one. So uh, right. I think they've given the, the Diamondbacks the rivalry with uh, with the with the uh, like that's the rival for the Padres. What what do you think about that being an Arizona guy now? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. They are, I guess, a natural rival. It's uh, but are they geographic like? Yeah, geographically, sure, but like, like, do the fans well, burn the, the Padre flag at 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 at, uh, at 
Anna, at the at the Diamondback Stadium? Like, are, are there you know, people like hating on the Padres, like like the Dodgers hate on the Giants, and vice versa? No, here's the funny thing: the Diamondbacks universally, the Diamondbacks fans hate on the Dodgers. Right. It's amazing because you and I have been to Diamondback games in Arizona where the Dodgers played, and it's amazing the kind of crowd reaction that go on. Uh, so Arizona considers the Dodgers its rival. Um, this year, the Diamondbacks are another kind of surprise team. They're, I think, four and a half games behind the Dodgers right now, a game behind yep. the Padres. And uh, I can put that all down to Zach Greinke has had a resurgence in his career. He's, he's been pitching amazing. I've seen him three times. And Do you he think he has a contract coming up? Do you think he, he has a contract coming up? <laughs> he does. Shocking. Isn't that amazing funny? how that works. <laughs> it reminds me of the last season with the Dodgers when he won 19 games and he almost won the Cy Young Award, and then he got the big deal from the Diamondbacks. Well, gee, all of right. a sudden it's another it's a, a walk year for him, and he's yeah. really turning it on. But uh, the Diamondbacks don't have any big names to speak of other than Adam Jones that signed as a free agent. But they're putting together a nice little run. I don't think they can sustain it all year like the Padres will. Yeah, and it's amazing how well they're doing without basically their two what you I would consider their two best hitters um, gone. You know, Pollock's on the Dodgers now, and and um, Goldschmidt, you know, signed an extension with, after he was traded to the that's right the Cardinals, and has now become basically the he, he went from being on every bus in uh, uh, in Arizona to every bus in St. Louis. So that's uh, right. I, I that's think right. that, I think that that's I mean, but he's he's a marquee great hitter and. and Great work ethic, you know, a guy who's very consistent, and I think he's one of those guys who could, who could would play for free um, and, and work his ass off. And he reminds me a lot of Trout in his uh, approach, you know. Yeah, you're right about um, that. That's a good comparison. Very consistent, yeah. Very, very not 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 a, not a high strung guy, and and just keeps a level head and goes out and plays great, you know. And even when he was struggling, I remember what I think it was last year, he had just a terrible start to the year, and he ended up having. A, like almost exactly the same numbers he has every year because yeah, he went on yeah, the air actually, like he in got August. MVP votes last year after that whole yeah. start. Uh, okay, so we we talked about so so far we talked about Tampa, um, the Padres, and the Diamondbacks. Um, do you got any more uh, teams up your sleeve there? Uh, well, let me just while we're in the National League, I want to jump to the National League East for a second. And okay. To no one's surprise, the Phillies are in first place. Uh, I think they're three games ahead of Atlanta. Yep. Bryce Harper is. And putting up almost exactly the same numbers he did in Washington. He's hitting about 231, I think, with nine home runs. So he isn't making the difference. He's part of the, the mix there. They've got an incredible lineup that they went out and got in the offseason. You might recall they said they were going to spend stupid money, and they did. Yeah. The Phillies pitching is what I think is suspect. Um, they're doing okay right now, but they're winning games 11 to 9 and things like that. Which, you know, over right. the course of the season, as you know, that's not going to win the pennant for you. You can't sustain it. Right. Now, the Braves just took a three-game series loss to the Dodgers. And I, I want to go back to the Dodgers for a second because a funny thing happened two nights ago. Kershaw started. Gave up four runs in the first, I think, five and the third innings. And in previous years, games when Kershaw gave up four runs, they lost. They, you know, yeah. they, they lose four to two, four to three, four to nothing. Uh, but the Dodgers' offensive juggernauts, which I can't think of anything else to call it. They scored nine runs. They beat the Braves nine to four. Then they went out and won nine to nothing. Rue pitched a shutout. Rue pitched a what you call a Maddox shutout, complete game shutout. 
under 100 pitches. So, boy, team to beat, I guess, is the Dodgers right now. Uh, I don't know of any other surprises in the National League. National League East is shaping up the way everyone expected it to. The Braves in second. I think the Mets are in third. And Miami's way back there behind. But let me jump to the American League West for a second. Now, the Astros are in first place. No big surprise there. But Seattle is knocking on the door. They were in first for a while. And uh, you're a former Mariner, and I worked for them for eight years, so I have fondness for the Mariners. I like to see them win. Um, I see them being, if they don't win the division, I see the Mariners being the wild card team this year. They put together a lot of talent in the offseason. They went out and got some guys. And uh, one thing happened today. D. Gordon is their leadoff hitter. He's hitting over 300. He's kind of the spark that gets things going. He got hit by a pitch and had to come out of the game. We don't know yet if he has a broken hand or not. So that will affect them if, if he does. But they also went out and got Edwin Encarnacion to hit cleanup. Right. And he's doing right. exactly what he gets paid. He's only hitting 240, but he's got 12 home runs, 36 RBIs, doing exactly what he's always done, what they pay him for. So I, I call the Mariners a surprise because uh, all the preseason predictions I saw had the Astros and Oakland picked for second place. And right now, Oakland is bringing up the rear. You never want to count out the A's, but they're in last place. So I think the Mariners are a surprise. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, and I, I do believe that they also have some, uh, they they have they, they have a really good offense uh, that is a bunch of no-names. I think, what's his name, Hanniger uh, is right. super underrated. Uh, he's a super clutch player. Um, all of this stuff, D. Gordon seems, I, I would love, to be on a team with D Gordon. By the way, I played with D Gordon's uncle, who was a uh, Tom's brother, um, and he was actually a lefty. And uh, he he just had trouble like with the yips, like he couldn't throw strikes. But man, he had right. he was so hard to catch. Um, and and I, I I look at he was also a wonderful teammate. He he kept us smiling. He, you know, he was like the guy who could just you know light up the room when he when he uh when he turned it on and i i see that as like like that's what d gordon is and again as, as a former player you know that you know the team chemistry um you either you know, i've been on teams when we were really good and hated each other and we probably right. played great on the field and then i've been on teams where we went everywhere together like my usc teams and we were awesome and and our our, our gel was there and I just always had so much more fun when we all got along versus, you know, when we were all, like, at each other's throats. Right. But um, there are teams when it's like vanilla, where everyone just uh, doesn't love them, doesn't hate them. They just – and those teams, they never seem to work out because it seemed like the passion wasn't there. The passions right. come from com- – passions come from love and hate, you know, to kind of combine. And right. um, what, 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 what I see with the uh, Mariners is, is the uh, – you know the, the the right sort of types of players. Uh, I I also think that since Cano the sh- the Cano show is gone, yeah, um, and then the Ichiro show is gone. That's also made it a lot more um, team friendly. And right. I know I know about Ichiro. I've had a number of friends that played with him, and it's like they didn't necessarily hate Ichiro, but they hated the circus that was around him. That with all the you know press conferences, he had to have one in you know in English and translated, and then. Another one, and they they were always waiting for him to get on the bus. They were waiting for him to get on the plane, and it, it disrupted right. the whole it disrupted the whole sort of team uh, chemistry, you know. 
Um, right. And I think that, that now that that's all over, uh, I, I bet that makes it a lot easier for, you know, these younger players to just sort of start to take the, 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 the leadership roles on the team and, and say, hey, you know, it's my time now. All these guys are gone. Cruz is gone. Um, you know, he brings his own, um, you know, uh, weight to the to the table. That's so right. uh, I think I think again the the Mariners are you know and, and really let's look at that division and I you know I'm a I'm a big uh, fan of Mike Trout and a fan of Osmus um, you know and and I, so I want those you know, I want those guys to win um, and and that means the Angels win and I just don't see where the Angels you know they can't keep their games they win you know ten to nine too I, I just can't see them uh, being able to support you know a, a team with that pitching staff and i know the like last night they were expecting this big uh or, or, you know come back from skags and he immediately gave up a bunch of runs and 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 they lost you know terribly that's just going to have keep happening all year I, you know i don't see any future for them um the a's look pretty dismal this year and and uh you know again that seattle gets to play these teams 18 times that's right um, so the angels did have a good uh last homestand against Seattle when they were in town. I think they won three out of four. But the funny thing happened on the last day, uh, it was something like six to one. Uh, and so now it's, the, now it's the top of the ninth, Seattle's last chance to, you know, to come back. And like the first guy up that inning hits a home run. And then like the second guy up hits a home run. And then a guy got walked and then another home run. And then another, it was like now it was in a six to five. And they wanted to they wanted to keep their their give their you know top relievers a little break and they they had to bring them in to to save this five run lead <laughs> in, the, in the top of the ninth inning from a home run you know and so yeah you know, that that kind of uh, that kind of display of pitching is you know is not you can't win in the major leagues with with that so you know who do they really have to battle I mean yeah they got to battle Houston but if they can play even five hundred ball against Houston. And kick the crap out of the lowly teams in the in the American League West that they'll play 72 of their games basically, or, or somewhere around that number from that division alone. Um, you know that's going to be a really good uh, opportunity for for Seattle to to sneak in as a wild card. So I'm 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 there with you on that one for sure. Yeah, and I, let me mention all the years Ichiro was there. I think these are 14, 15 years. They went to the postseason once. Yeah, uh, and. I agree with you. A lot of it had to do with the surface surrounding him. Hey, before we move on, I want to mention, since we're on the Angels, just want to give a shout-out today. Albert Pujols homered in today's game for his 2,000th RBI. And I've wow. always been a big fan of Albert. Uh, you know, he's in the waning days of his career. But people forget the kind of numbers he put up in his first 10 years in the major leagues. He's, you know, surefire Hall of Famer and a really good guy, too, from what I understand. Yeah, I, I think you sent me a little, um, like a little clip of that. Do you happen to have that uh, nearby? What, what, what was that clip about? I remember, uh, I remember what you tell everybody. It was uh, a comparison of people. Well, what it is, people forget how good Pujols was when he was young. So it's through their first one thousand and one career games. It's a comparison of Mike Trout and Albert Pujols. Uh, Trout had a three hundred eight average. Pujols had a three twenty five average. Wow. Uh, Trout had 1,126 hits. Pujols had 1,236. <laughs> uh, Trout had 234 home runs. And these are great numbers for the first 1,000 games. Pujols had 266 home runs. Yep. 
Wolves had almost twice as many RBIs. So people talk about Trout's numbers and how well he's done in the you know, future Hall of Fame. And his numbers are, are less than Pujols. So, you know, people forget. Uh, but I've always been a Pujols fan. Me too. And by uh, the way, I, I've said this and I'll say this again, that that Mike Trout would not be Mike Trout without Albert Pujols being uh, his mentor. And, and what a lucky guy. Trout was that just be born with that sort of physical body and um, the ability to, 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 to swing a baseball bat with that kind of force and, and you know, just, just from God given. I know he worked right. his butt off to, to, to hone his skills, no doubt. But to have the mental, um, the, the ability to talk to one of the best hitters in the history of baseball, best right-handed hitters, maybe top five right-handed hitters, um, and, and you're a rookie, and you're like, okay, this guy's going to start you off with this. He's going to start you to do this, and this guy's going to try to get you out. And he's going to, you know, and look for this and think about this and that. And, like, you now have a game plan. Guy faces face this guy, you know, four, 500 times. He's, he's hit what the, right. the number of pitchers Pujols has hit home runs off of is staggering. Um, I think it's over 400, um, right, something like over 400 different pitchers. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I, I always kind of say, like, in a few years, Mike Trout is going to be mentioned in Albert Pujols and by Albert Pujols in his address at the Hall of Fame. And then when, when Trout does his acceptance speech for the Hall of Fame, he's going to thank Albert Pujols for being his mentor. And I think that that relationship is very special. And that's one of the reasons that I do watch the Angels. Uh, a, number one, but I have the MLB package. I can watch every game, but I, I like to watch every single Angel game that I can um, because of the special relationship between those two guys. And just, right. you know, and it looks like Pujols to me. Uh, it looks much healthier. His feet. It doesn't look painful when he's running like he used to. Uh, yeah. I think he's having much better at bats, and I think he's learning how to um, react like he used to react. I think he went through a phase there where I thought I think he was trying. Maybe he thought he was too slow, uh, and he needed to speed up his swing, so he was making himself vulnerable to like off-speed pitches and other types of you know of things. So. Uh, that's where I think, you know, we got, we got, you know, history is in the making. And, and, and if you want to see exciting uh, base, if you want to see exciting major league baseball, watch the angels because they're going to score a lot of runs and, and they're, and they're, and their pitchers are going to give up a lot of runs. So if you like offense, if you like offense, watch the angels, because you're going to get some, you know, on both sides of the ball. Yeah. They scored 13 runs in today's game. Yeah. They're like, there you go. Did they give up 10? Uh, they actually won 13 to nothing. It's hard to believe. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's a uh, that, that's pretty uh, uh, unreal. But uh, yeah. But uh, so anyway, I think I think you, you hit the nail on the head with the with Seattle. Um, what, what's your what are some of your other uh, surprises you think you're going to be showing? Uh, National League, or I'm sorry, American League Central, the Minnesota Twins. Oh yeah. Again, uh, name three Minnesota Twins. I can't, but. They, they've opened up a three-and-a-half game lead over Cleveland. They had a series where they swept Cleveland. And, uh, man, they're surprising everybody. The Twins are playing some tough baseball. They picked up a pitcher from the Rangers in the offseason named Martin Perez. Uh, and he always had decent years with the Rangers. But he was on a team that, you know, 500 at best. And right now he's 5-1 and one with an ERA under three for the Twins. Wow. And, uh they they're playing like they believe in themselves and they believe themselves to be a championship team, which as you know, you have to feel that you've got to believe that if you're going to win. 
Right. And I see supreme confidence in the Twins. I've watched them probably seven times in the last two weeks. Uh, Cleveland, for all their talent and everything they've done in the past couple of years, they are having a hard time getting on track, and I can't really put a finger on why. Uh, the rest of that division is kind of weak. you got Detroit and the White Sox. So I believe the Twins are going to continue this. I think they're going to win the division. Cleveland may sneak in as a wild card, but I look for the Twins to surprise a lot of people and go deep in the postseason. Yeah, I think uh, if I recall, uh, Nelson Cruz went over there. Uh, I can't remember if it was a trade or free agent. Uh, and I saw I saw him hit a home run the other day on uh, you know Sports Center, one of those shows. And you know you forget the guy's like 38. You know, he's yeah, not a young yeah. guy anymore, and he still looks really good. Like he's got another a couple of years left in him. So it'll be interesting to see how. You know, now that he's pretty much a pure DH, you know, I think it's a lot easier on his body. But I always wonder about some of these older guys, like, you know, sustained 162-day season with all the travel. Uh, you know, obviously, being in Minnesota is, like, a really good look, like, geographically speaking, because you got short flights pretty much everywhere you go in the country. Right, uh, right. Being right in the middle there. Uh, whereas when he was in Seattle, you know, that's the worst place to be. you got the furthest trips, you know, uh, anywhere in the country. So. Right. Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they sort of can maintain. Um, but you're right. You know, it, it, and one of the things that you know you and I talked about on our last show was, um, you know, this, this sort of the new, the new, the new free agency is is con- contract extension uh, right. with your team when you're young and before you hit your um, arbitration years, and um, you know. I, I, I look at, you know, a lot of the teams that are successful right now, and they're doing it. Like, we've, how many times have we said on this already, like, a bunch of no-name players? Well, these are the same no-name players who are trying to make a name for themselves and, and go out and get that big contract someday. That's right. Um, That's right. And But in the meantime, you know, they're playing for five, six, you know, 100,000. Remember, Aaron Judge is only in his, like, third year in the majors. And so he's in. A, he's, I think his, his salary this year is six fifty. Um, and and when you look at you know, a guy who's been in the league, let's say after his arbitration year, almost all those guys are, are making three four million. So in other words, like up to five times more than Judge, who arguably is one of the best hitters in, in baseball and, and, and best players. Uh, but with he's so young, you know. I you know what 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 do you think the Yankees are going to do? You think they're going to they're going to, you know, adore him, adore him with the um, the pre-arbitration year uh, extension, or do you think they're going to let him get out there into the free market you know, in a couple of years? I think they're crazy if they don't give him a, a pre-market extension. Yeah, I you know, agree, and I, I, yeah, and I, I think you know he draws. Um, you know, how many players have their own section wearing? Like, I mean, I, mean, I know he means judge, but. You know, he's got like his, his own fan section, just like Trout. Did. That's right. He's got all of a sudden, you know, that they had this area, all these guys, you know, Trout lovers, and uh, you know that he's a marquee player. You know, and I, I was in New York City uh, just, you know, just over the um, weekend, and just walking through the streets, you know, you don't see too many guys wearing, uh, you know, jerseys other than '99. Like almost everybody I saw had a '99 on. Right. Uh, I think he's I think he's perfect for New York with his you know great, greater than life stature, uh, big smile, uh, very friendly, uh, you know very uh, got a great great communication skills. 
oh yeah, and he can hit a ball like like he can hit, get jammed and hit a fly ball in right field for a, a monster home run. So, yeah, I agree. I think that they got to lock him up. And if I'm the Yankees, I'm already talking to the agent about like what they're going to take to sign him, you know, through his right. seventh year. Um, and then let, then we'll start talking about extensions after that. So, right. uh, you know, okay, so uh, American League West, I mean East, rather. What, what's your what's your take on that? Uh, well, like, I think Tampa, I think they can hold on to first place. It's going to be a dogfight, though, with not with any other team but the Yankees. I think the Yankees and Tampa are going to slug it out. Do you think Boston is down and out? They're just out of it now, you think, already? You know, I do, and I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me. The Red Sox are five or six games out. They are playing without any spirit. I've watched them play several times. It's the same team that won the World Series last year and dominated, you know, the American League East all season. And I can't explain it. They're just playing a lot of lifeless baseball. Maybe it has something to do with coming off a World Series win. It shouldn't, but uh, I don't know. What's your take on that? Well, I, I got to be honest. I haven't seen them play. Uh, maybe just a few um, when I'm flipping through, or I, or I see. You know, I watch the uh, MLB wrap-ups. Of, you know, and I see. I see some highlights. Um, yeah, I, I haven't really seen them enough to give you like a good answer on that. Uh, I do know that there is definitely you know a hangover after you know these teams they win it and win back to back anything in any sport. Really right. tough. Especially in the in the years now of, of the, the, the players moving so much, you know, I think they had a great team chemistry last year. I think it all came together for them. They had a first year manager that everyone was rallying around. Uh, I, I thought like all the like all the stars were aligned for you know that magical season. Yeah, um, definitely. And and I you know again uh, you know do you get that? That hangover, is there that hangover effect? Is it real? I mean, I believe it is, and I believe they're the epitome of what that looks like. You know, but let's remember, you know, again, if, if they could go on one of those, like, Cleveland streets, win 15, lose a couple, win another 10, you know, they're kind of right back in it. They just they just can't be um, getting to the point where, you know, they're, they're 10 back, they're 15 back. Like, then they're never going to be able to catch up. But I, I think yeah, that's... They're not there yet, the but I think yeah, you can, you, that. As early as it is in the season, you can be so far behind that there's no catching up. And right. I think the Red Sox are in danger of doing that. Uh, the other thing is, uh, there's they were invited to the White House, and I don't want to talk politics or anything, but Alex Cora and Mookie Betts are refusing to go to the White House. It, you know, stuff like that has nothing to do with what you're doing on the field, and it shouldn't be a detriment to your team's play, but Things like that are going on in the Red Sox clubhouse and, and publicly. And that affects your, your play on the field. It definitely does. Well, David Price had um, carpal tunnel last year for playing too much Fortnite in the clubhouse. So that's what's yeah. going on in that clubhouse. They're shooting, they're, they're playing Fortnite. <laughs> I mean, that to me, uh, and I know that that's like acceptable now. Um, it's funny, you know, it was very rare that if we had a TV, you know, in the clubhouse, it was on a baseball game, almost always. Right. Uh, and, and it's just funny because, you know, now there's the video gamers that, you know, infiltrated the clubhouse and the sound systems and, and the, the, the disco lights. And, and it's just, it's just a, you know, I, I love the idea of, like, let's let the kids play. Like, that's kind of the new mantra. 
And that's part of the the, the unwritten rule. And one, I told you about that secret group I made on Facebook, and that's and that's one of the debates that goes on. You know, let the kids play. Uh, okay, so we'll let you bat flip, and 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 you know, so then we're gonna bat flip if you bat flip. Okay, and nobody gets drilled, right? Yeah, nobody's gonna get drilled, and we're gonna just let the kids play. Well, eventually, if you've ever played at the sandbox, a couple people like. There's a couple of kids in the sandbox that are jerks, and right. uh, and if you if you kick sand in that guy's face, um, he's not going to just kick sand back. He's going to shove it in your mouth, you know. Yeah. And so I kind of feel like you know, let the kids play is um, you, you know you think about the fun and the and the and the joyful side of let the kids play comment, but if you let the kids play long enough, you know they're going to play games that are <laughs> you know that that could be uh, you know, back to what old school baseball was like, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm just caught. I just, I hope those guys understand that um, it's okay to be really excited. Uh, it's okay to be, you know, fired up that you help the team and 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 pound your chest and flip the bat or whatever. But I think there's a, uh, you know, there's a little bit more like like I don't want to use the perfect the word professional, but I, it almost is. It's just Here's what I'm getting at. You know, now we see like like NFL receivers whose job is to catch the ball, right. and every time they catch it, it's like they caught a touchdown. We're like, dude, you just caught a eight yard pass. Like, big look, you know. Why right. why are you celebrating and dancing? Like like that's your job. And so I look at the hitters. You hit a home run. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Trout not not flip his bat, but he swings it, and then he'll drop it like with a little extra emphasis, like. Like that's him celebrating, but in a professional manner, not showing up the pitcher. Right. Like you know, in a quick moment, he's like, "All right, I got that one, sweet." You know, not like running around the base, and, yeah, yeah. Like he just won the World Series, bottom of the ninth, game seven. You know, that's where I get these bat flip guys. Like, dude, it's like you've hit three home runs this year, and you bat flipped all of them. And I mean, come on. You know, so yeah. uh, I, I don't know. Went on a little tangent there, but I think that that's, you know, that's one of the things that the players' union. I know they're having meetings and they're talking to the players and they're 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 saying, look, we're tearing up the unwritten rule book. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. The, the unwritten rule book was written to self-police, and now you're taking away the the, the people who are policing the asylum, the, the the inmates at the asylum, and right. you know. And so, I mean, it's only going to get worse. Uh, what's going to happen in 20 years when you throw the bat at the pitcher because you hit a home run off him? I mean, what, how, what's the extent of this celebratory, yeah. you know, thing? Um, you know what, what, you know, what I always you... think of, yeah, and I, I know you remember this too, uh, three years ago maybe, Toronto and Texas faced each other in the playoffs. And Jose Bautista hit a home run and had a bat flip it was unbelievable. He threw it about yep. 20 feet in the air. And you might remember there was a lot of bad blood about that, but nothing happened during the playoffs. Well, the next, the first time they played the next season, the first time Batista came up, Matt Bush was pitching for Texas, and he drilled him. So Batista gets on first. Someone hit a ground ball, double play ball, and Batista came in hard at second and got into a scuffle with Odor and basically got clocked. I'm sure you remember that. Well, I, did you see that play? Because actually, this is my favorite. If, if you watch it again, 
Um, yeah. Odor saw him. Odor saw him standing up late and knew he was going to get wide late. So Odor, if he, if he would have thrown that ball, um, he actually threw it low, like intentionally to hit Batista on purpose. I don't know if you right. noticed that, but he he wasn't going to try to throw him out at first. He was trying to drill the batter. I mean, drill Batista coming in. Batista said something about that, and by the time that last Spanish word came out of his mouth, he, he got popped by that little guy. And I love Odor for being that that sort of um, like that. That's what you would call the um, the, the correction to, to the to the uh, problem. You know, that's right. Self belief. Right. You know, so I, I kind of feel like you know. Sure, they caused a brawl, and, and everybody got, you know, spine bended and blah, blah, blah. But have you seen about these flip a bat since? You know, I didn't know no, I have not. Up. But no. And again, I think that, that that goes back to, oh, okay, so I don't want to have to, like, wait for the, my revenge. I just won't need no, no revenge in the first place. Right. You know? So, uh, yeah, they actually are, by the way, they're making, a, I saw a Santa Claus, um, like a Christmas card with Santa Claus hitting a home run with a candy cane, and he, they yeah. they they made the Santa Claus drawing out of the bat the, the Batista uh, bat flip. So that's <laughs> how far that 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 uh, bat flip has become famous. It's now a Christmas card. So uh, <laughs> and people listening, if if our listeners don't remember this or they don't know what we're talking about, go to YouTube and just type in Batista Odor, and it's going to pop up. It's a great video. It really is. It's on YouTube, and yeah. you'll see what we're talking about. Yeah, and I, I think, too, that, uh, you know, I mean, in my experience as a player, uh, the the brawls that we got in were, it came from two places. Like, you didn't, you didn't get into a brawl with the first baseman, right? You didn't get into a brawl with the, when you were on third with the third baseman. You got into the brawl from sliding too hard into second. That happened twice when I played in the same season uh, in, in the minors. Um, and I was the one who slid in. I rolled at the second baseman at, um, uh, for the Angels. I mean, I literally did a roll, and I, and I threw my legs up, and I, I, you know, I flipped him on his ass. And the next pitch drilled, drilled our batter. I was out, uh, but I, I, I you know, kept the double play out of that from happening. Right. The next batter on the next batter on our team gets drilled in the back, charges the mound. Well, that was because of my slide. You know that that whole right. thing started because, of, you know, and then but then the the drilling starts the fight. Or in another case, I remember we had a we had a rundown between first and second um, on a pickoff play, and the uh, runner thought that, that our second baseman tagged him in the face. You know, tagged him too hard and tagged him in the face. And uh, and so those two guys got into a brawl right there in the in the between first and second, and all all the teams came out. Well, then, um, uh, Jose Offerman, who was the shortstop, who was part of that, um, was basically the next batter up, the next the, the batter that came up the next inning, who was out number two. So right. our pitcher just just didn't even take my sign and, and just drilled him right in the ribs, and and uh, Offerman. To charge the mound, and the, the best part about it was he didn't realize he was charging the mound to the uh, Nevada State Golden Club champion or a heavyweight champion out of high school. And uh, his name was Jim Blueberg. He's now a, a scout for the uh, Dodgers. And uh, he did a one-two combo on Offerman and knocked him cold, like blood was coming out of his ear, like just dropped him. And and, he, and I, I mean, I'm the catcher and I'm trying to catch it, but Offerman could fly, but it was just, you know, I, I, again, you you got to know who you're going to charge the mound 
you know, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> you should maybe do a little research. But uh, you know, I think that again that those that that course correction, you know, that was all that whole thing happened because we were all self policing, uh, and I, I right. just you know, now do the fans love it? Of course they love it. Do the players love it? So at the moment, that's what we felt like we had to do. Yeah. Um, you go, you look back 20 years from now, and it's like, well, I don't think, how, I don't know how we could have changed that. Well, the way you would have changed that is those are no longer called like infractions. Those are just that's how we play the game now. Um, guys tag, you know, guys give themselves up in rundowns now. They don't, they don't try to like knock the club out of your hand in, in between first and second, which started the right. whole thing. You know what I mean? Right. So. So again, I know they took away the run the, the catcher over, which I got plowed dozens of times, and 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 one time it, I got knocked out for a whole season because he separated my throwing shoulder, um, you know. And if he had he slipped that a hook slide in with his hand, he would have been safe too, but right. instead he plowed me over, and and um, I actually I tagged him out that day with I held onto the ball, but had he slid just slid in like they do now, he probably would have been safe because I wouldn't have been able to get there. Uh, right. Anyway, that that has been taken away. You know, all of the. And I, I mean, rumor has it they're going to start putting in that that orange softball base. You know, you've seen the soft the slow pitch softball. They put like a like an orange first base so that you don't step on the first that. baseman. Yeah. So yeah. there. That's a, that's another thing. And by the way, I was doing a book signing in uh, in Buffalo this past weekend, and I hadn't been to a minor league game in a couple of years. And sure enough, there's that damn twenty second clock between pitches. Uh, right. And they got they got 20 seconds to pitch, and I swear every single pitch was 15 seconds. Uh, and they, and you could I mean the pitcher's staring right that these these clocks are like right there, and then there's there's a couple in the outfield so the catcher can see them. And I could see the right. catcher like moving his hands like fast like come on hurry up hurry up hurry up uh, because if you're if the clock if, you know the pitcher lets the clock run that's an automatic ball. Yeah. And, uh, and and if the batter is out and taking signs you know that's a strike. So there's consequences, right? So, yeah. um, you know, it was interesting to sort of see this dynamic. I, I hate it, but I will tell you that that game blew. That that game was like maybe two and a half hours, like maybe 2.15, uh, which was great right. because it was also freezing. But, I mean, that game was over with the quickness. And uh, so I like those. I like some of these new rules. I think, you know, there really is, you know, I had pitchers who I just, they were just so slow. And they killed yeah. their defense because they were slow, and they and they just felt like they needed to really prepare for every pitch, and and they would still suck. I mean, like, dude, why don't you work faster? It's like 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 Camber Drosian drives me nuts. Like he 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 has to breathe in, and he has to like pray for a second. And I love I'm great with praying, but I I just think why do you need to do it every pitch? Like you should take right. these deep breaths and this extra time when you need to make that great pitch, not every single time, because now where do you dig? How do you dig deep when you're digging deep every single time? That's you know, right. I think you need to find like that 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 what I would call the cruise, the level of I'm cruising, and and then then you dig deep when you got to step on the gas. You know, right. so um, so I think I would love to see that clock implemented in the big leagues, uh, the pitch clock, um, so that it'll it'll actually you know take some of these slow pokes and speed them up, and the, the guys that work fast. Um, they're not, they're going to keep working fast. It's, it's the guys that are just slow to to the point where there's no reason why they're slow, um, and the rest of us have to watch them. You know, take 30 seconds to, before they even take their sign. Um, those games drag like on and on. So 
I'm, I'm with you on that one um, as well. With yeah. uh, uh, I think the 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 the, the, the sort of self policing of, of of the game is is gone away, and the unwritten rule book has been torn up. Um, I know there are many. My my grandpa's rolling in the grave when he when he hears all the new rules that they plan on bringing out. I was going to ask you yeah. one quick question that's a little bit a bit off of our topic, but I think it would be relevant. Um, there's a lot of talk about baseball expansion, and although they're not saying it's going to happen in the next couple of years, uh, it looks uh, like there 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 is going to be maybe some deeper discussions. Um, there's been a, like a like a list of say five cities that have been like put out in the forefront. As yeah, I saw that list. Uh, cities. Um, and, uh, and so, like Portland, Charlotte, um, Montreal, Vancouver, uh, and I believe one of them is actually Mexico City, where the Angels in Houston, uh, Houston played a two-game series recently. What's your take on? Yeah. Um, and by the by the way, when they do do that, and it adds that thirty to the thirty-two teams, um, they're talking about total realignment, um, like eliminating the National and American leagues, uh, making the divisions. Um, Based on geography and playing most of the team, playing those teams in your in your time zone, um, like like more than than like like, like two thirds of the games uh, versus those teams. What do you think about the radical alignment? Let's say if it's um, Charlotte and um, or on the say Montreal, and um, I think Portland's got a really good shot right now. There's a lot of big money behind that new stadium there. Uh, yeah, what, what, what do you think about this? Yeah, what do you think about uh, that that whole dynamic with uh, expansion coming in? It's been like since uh, what's it? I think it's been over 20 years since uh, the last expansion yeah, come down. 21 years ago, yeah, 21 years ago, Tampa and Arizona came in. That was the last expansion. Right, right. Uh, I know that they're talking about radical realignment. I am so against it, you can't even imagine. Really? Uh, it, okay. It will remind me of the NBA, and in the NBA, half of all the teams make it to the postseason. Uh, right. I don't think baseball should be that way. Also, they're talking about adding the designated hitter to the National League when they realign. I saw and that. And I, I feel very strongly about that. It's great in the American League, but I, I like the National League where pitchers have to hit, and it's a lot more strategy involved. I, I know I won't name some of our listeners, but I know a couple of guys who are adamantly against me on this one. But I just don't like that idea. And I don't like the idea of they're talking about going from six divisions to eight and having four teams in each division. And like you were saying, doing it geographically, yeah, I'm totally against it, totally against it. And uh, maybe we can talk about this next week. Uh, while they're talking about this expansion, I have an article here, MLB attendance. Twelve of the 30 teams have seen a drop in attendance the last two years. So, yeah, you have a serious – and it's – I'll talk about the article on the next show. Serious drop in attendance in some cities. So you're going to expand when that's going on? I, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and I, I, I wonder if, you know, somebody, I, I read about that too, and I think there's some, um, you know, there's some, some, you know, some of the teams, you know, when you're like, for example, the Orioles, and you have the state-of-the-art, you know, um, stadium, and uh, even though it's it's kind of old now, but it's still beautiful and and you know very fan friendly and you're and you're, you're the product on the field is just is sub is subpar, and you can right. call it rebuilding and call it whatever you want. It, it stinks, you know. And and so only you're you're only going to get the hardcore fans. Let's be let's be honest. Like the teams that have the great attendance. What was Houston? 
the team is like until they became the, the team that they are today. Like those, those, like what was it, 2015? There was that article that said, um, "Here's your 2017 World Series champions," right? Yes. Uh, and they predicted it, and they were right. Well, if we look up the attendance in 2015, I, I bet you anything, it's, it's significantly lower attendance than they've had the last, you know, couple of years when they've been, you know, perennial winners. Well, I'm so glad you brought up you know, that particular that particular example because I did look that up. Uh, really? Weeks ago, in 2015, they averaged less than 20,000 fans a game, and now they sell out. So yeah, yeah, it's it's significant. So when you talk about the 12 teams that 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 their attendance is going down, like I would, I'm going to say that it's the White Sox. I'm going to say it's you know Orioles. You know, I'm going to say it's like you know probably Tampa because you know they and and the Marlins. Um, you know, and, you, and I think we could just look down the list of, of teams that are, you know, but like even the Angels who, you know, now let's, let's granted they're coming out of, you know, the number two market in the country. Uh, yeah. and they got a lot more fans to drive to draw from. Uh, they they come up with clever ways to get you to the stadium. They do right. a great job of marketing. In fact, one of their uh, top people, uh, Tim Mead, who I've had a chance to work with many times, um, who was like their 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 director of communications and, and you know he was mostly in charge of you know working uh, with the press and getting um, you know interviews scheduled and 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 things along you know anything that yeah. was sort of uh, you know player centric. Um, he's now the president of the Hall of Fame. How great is that? But you know when you look at a, an organization where you know you have really smart minds at the at the helm, uh, especially on the marketing side, you know. The Angels also went out and got like world like some world famous chefs, and, and now they like they they tell ask Otani, hey, what's your favorite food? And now right. they so now they have like these these Japanese the Japanese cuisine that chef, chef created by chefs, world class chefs, inspired by um, choices that you know one of the Japanese players you know uh, suggested, and then they have the pool host menu, and then the trout the trout you know Philly stuff and. I think it's great, and, and you know, every time I go to an Angel game, I, I look around and I realize, you know, hey, I think these guys know how to run a ball team. You know, know how That's to right. run, even when even when they're not they're not you know uh, a perennial first place team, they still draw. Um, they also have the, the again the benefit of you know, Orange County money and the and the uh, you know the season ticket holders. But but I got to sit in the fourth row of a game um, against the uh, uh, oh shoot, what team was it? Uh, I'm drawing a blank right now, but but I said like, oh, it was the Brewers. I got to sit uh, like four rows back from the Brewers, and uh, that whole section right there, they were all season ticket holders. All those seats were filled. Uh, there was not people in the in the upper deck, you know, but there were uh, significant you know seats in the lower bowl. Um, and and then I I learned like like most of these people, and I was just talking like, how many games you guys, oh, we, we come to all 81 games. I mean, it, it, or, yeah. or these tickets get used. You know, sometimes I'll loan them, I'll give the tickets to a family member or a friend when we can't make it. Um, so, you know, that's the other part is like, what's your experience like at the ballpark? And I think the Angels have done a spectacular job wanting you to go to the game, making parking easy, making, um, having special food, uh, you know, items, having, uh, discount offers, you know, having like yeah. like a booster club and all these things and that make very you... it's very family friendly. I remember when my kids were young taking them and I don't I'm not bagging on the Dodgers right now, but the experience at Dodger Stadium when you have kids is very different than the experience at the Anaheim Stadium when you have kids. 
And I remember right. taking my kids to Angel Games, and they loved it. Uh, I loved it, too. And this was back, uh, gosh, my son is 30 now, so 20 years ago, the Angels weren't competing. It was still, as you described, they still had big crowds. They still had a lot of fun things going on. So they're right. very smart marketing. They do one other thing, and I don't know if you're aware of this, and I don't know if a lot of fans are aware of this. Some other teams are starting to copy this concept. But if you go to an Angels game, you don't have a ticket, wait five minutes before the anthem is sung, and they start selling uh, reserved seats for $5, anything they have available. So they get oh, that's an extra great. five, yeah, five to 10,000 people uh, some games that way. Smart business. I mean, the seats are going to go unsold anyway, so sell them for five bucks. People yeah, are going to spend gonna, money. And that guy's going to go in and buy a $12 beer or whatever it is, yeah. you know. And, and uh, yeah, yeah no, I think buy that a that's... Jersey. It's, it's very right. smart. And I don't know why every major routine doesn't do that. No, I think, I didn't know about that, but I think that's brilliant. And, uh, you know, that, that that's the one thing that, that I'm, you know, you and I have talked about this for, you know, like, like, you know, to get when we're together, it, it's, you know, I'm not a young spring chicken and, and neither are you. And, um, right. you, and you and I are young for the average baseball age fan. It's actually, uh, in the, it's like 70 or something like it's a really, like if you, if you were to look, break down people who consume the most baseball games, um, they're going to be older, older men. And, right. um, you see at the games, these older men bringing their younger grandkids and, and then their kids, uh, and, and, you know, sh- certainly there are younger fans, but, uh, you know, it's it's nothing like you know. And I work in a, in, a, in an advertising office with you know primarily uh, millennial guy, you know, uh, men and women, and um, you know they might be twenty five to, to to say thirty five. I feel um, for you. But they, they are they are football fans. They are basketball fans, and then they're front runner baseball fans. If the Dodgers are you know, and all of a sudden now they're wearing their Dodger gear. We're like, wait a minute. Yeah. I haven't heard you say one word about the Dodgers and now they're in the playoffs. So now you're, you're a fan. Okay. I get it now, but that's, that's what I, I'm, I'm fear is, you know, these younger people. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that, you know, guys like you and I, we just bitched about, you know, the pace of play rules and the new, you know, the, the, the unwritten rules and like the, we sound like good old boys and, and old guys who, you know, want the game to stay the same when actually maybe the league and is, is, is has some, is, is, looking at being progressive because, you know, they realize that we have to do something to compete against though, these younger kids uh, growing up, not being baseball fans. We have to figure out a way to get them to, you know, to, to love baseball uh, the way the older, the older group did. And, you know, the other part is, you know, like a lot of older guys, um, they didn't just play baseball in little league. Like they went out and had played in the street and they played sandlot ball. Like, like, like we saw in the movie sandlot right. and, and now these kids don't, they don't do that. You know, they'll play little league and they'll put their uniform on and go and practice and, and put their uniform and go and play. But like between games, they're not going out in the street and playing, you know, stickball or, or over the line like we used to, Right. you know, they're, they're playing video games. And, and even if they're playing MLB video games, it's not, it, it, you know, maybe that'll give them a little bit of love for the game, but it's not like when you're actually playing, playing, you know, and, and yet they'll go out and shoot the hoop by themselves or, or play a two on two game. Well, that you can do that in basketball, you know, and you can play like four on four football and, and have fun doing that. You know, uh, yeah. that's, that's the tough part about the game is, you know, you have to get 18 guys, you know, and then two more guys that you know, can pitch also. And I mean, it, it's tough getting a, a whole group of guys together. 
so that's let's just call that strike one against baseball. But that's something I think you know I'm open to hear these ideas that that baseball's coming up with because they're not trying to ruin the game. They're trying to extend the the life of the game past when when these you know 70 year olds go away and and guys like us we get older and we go away and then what's left you know I mean is yeah, my, are, right. my, are my two sons gonna you know go to be as interested in baseball as as I am and you are I, like right now I would say no yeah you know, I agree so, my son is not that interested anymore uh, and so the funny thing that, is I remember what, growing up in Phoenix I played baseball 350 days out of the year it's just yeah. And I wasn't the only one. A lot of my friends did too. This is what we do. It was fun. And right. I don't see that anymore at all. No. And they, now let's, let's, I mean, obviously there are still the hardcore guys and I train, you know, uh, about 20, 25 kids off and on. And, and I do see, you know, the, the work ethic, just like I had and you had, you know, I see these guys and, and I also see them going to the gym and they have personal trainers and nutritionists and, you know, they're doing all of this stuff. Um, to, to, to fulfill their dreams uh, just like right. you and I did. And, and I think that that's absolutely wonderful. But when you think about like, okay, the school of, of 3,500 people has uh, four kids like this. And then the other 16 guys in the baseball team are just there to, you know, show off to their, to the girls, you know, or something, I don't know, yeah. whatever. And, and, and there, so you have four guys that want to go somewhere and, and, and continue to play. You just can't sustain those types of numbers in, in, and you know, and by the way, sometimes those kids that are super hardcore, I'll go, I'll pull out a picture of Willie Mays, like taking a perfect swing on my phone, and I'll show him, okay, this is what I'm trying to get you to do. And he's like, well, when did the uh, Giants get that uniform? I never see. I'm like, dude, this is you don't know who this is. The, like, this is a picture from the '60s or '70s of Willie Mays. Like, ah, I never heard of him. Like, oh, dude, oh, man. come on. And and I'll, I'll show a picture of Hank Aaron. I'm like, you've heard of Hank Aaron? Oh, of course. I'm like, could you? Did you know that's him? Like I have a picture of him in like the Milwaukee Braves you yeah. know, uniform when he, when he was 25 or whatever old he was. Um, but you know, that's a, that, that to me is also shocking when, when, and I tell these kids, they go, look, if you watch a baseball game and you watch major leaguers make a mistake and the am- announcers talk about the mistake that was just made, that's a, that's an awesome learning experience uh, opportunity for you. Cause you can like not make that same mistake once. That's one right. of my friends, uh, one of my good USC buddies wrote a book um, called Don't Make the Same Mistake Once, and that was a, a saying that Rod Dato, the legendary USC coach, um, used to preach all the time. You know, Tiger, don't make the same mistake once. We all saw, you know, Joe Schmo um, miss first base on, on a double, and then they, they you know, they, they appealed and he was out. So right. make sure you touch first. So don't make the same mistake once. And uh, and that's what I tell the kids. Like you can learn from, you know. I, I I tell the kids. I tell every one of them. Watch, uh, and and some people might tell me I'm crazy, but I say watch the Friday. I mean the the Sunday night baseball game with A Rod, and listen to li- watch the videos that he has with the players. So if you Google uh, and go on YouTube and and you can see there's an A Rod uh, Mike Trout video where they both talk about launch angle, and it's totally the opposite of what all these stupid announcers are saying like everyone's swinging up. They're not swinging up. They're hitting the ball out in front with a downswing. And this goes back to when you and I were kids. You, I know you had a hitting coach that swing down or the ball will go up. Well, that's Absolutely. exactly, that's exactly what the best hitters in baseball are doing. Someone, 
someone has a tra- got a triangulated laser and now can tell that that ball was hit at a 27 degree launch angle with um, with a with a 108 mile an hour uh, exit velocity, and you do the math on that, you pull out your protractor. That ball's going to go 377 feet, you know, uh, with all those with all that stuff. And if you hit it, if you hit the ball 15 degrees, it's going to be a rocket off the wall because it's not going to be able to go far enough. And if you hit it 35 degrees, it's going to go uh, even further, um, but it's going to be higher in the air. Okay. Right. So all of the all of that stuff, you and I just look could look at it and 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 say, well, man, if you would have got under, if you would have got that ball up in the air just a little bit more, you would hit that thing over the over the street. You know. Instead, you you put a hole in the wall with that line drive. You know, it's all the same crap. And so I like when these players can listen to someone like A Rod, who really knows what he's talking about, especially with hitting, obviously. Yes. Uh, but then, but then it's backed up by someone like a Mike Trout, and and now you you realize, okay, you know, Trout's first work off the tee is to get on top of a high pitch. Like he works on that before he sees a ball that's pitched, you know, right. in the air. Even in batting practice, you know, and 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 he'll sit on that tee until he feels comfortable that he's chopping down on the ball. Well, when you look at his swing in the game, it doesn't look like he's chopping at the ball. So, um, one of my one of my Facebook friends is uh, Derek May, is also a guy that I played against for a number of years. And um, yeah, in fact, I was involved in a team brawl, uh, unfortunately, against his team, and he charged him down. And, and beat the crap out of uh, uh, not our well. He actually he got in a fight with the home with, the, with our catcher uh, when he ran him over. The catcher pushed him, and then Derek dropped his ass. And the catcher <laughs> Derek Derek actually had on blue batting gloves. And after the fight was over, the catcher had blue marks all over his face from Derek pounding <laughs> his face. But I'm glad I didn't catch that day. By the way, it was a doubleheader, and I caught the first game. But anyway. Um, Derek had a really good point today on Facebook. Um, and by the way, we should get him on this show. I know he would come on and, and talk about hitting with us. But I'd love um, to have him on. We, we would. He, he talked about um, what those guys are doing when they when they are working on that high T drill, like like uh, you know, like like Trout and 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 uh, uh, A Rod are talking about in that video, is is to create the feel of getting on top of the ball. Okay. And you you know what that feel is because you you've been a hitter at a high level. You know what that right. feel means when you're when you're getting on top of the ball. Right. Well, when you when you break down Mike Trout's game swing, you're going to say, oh well, look at this guy like like getting under the ball and lifting it in the air. But guess what? He's he's thinking that he's driving down on the ball because that's the feel that he created. And then when you translate that feel to game speed, you are you are not exaggerating this sort of downward swing you are swinging through the ball and you know through the ball when you do slow motion your your hips and your shoulders they drop to the same angle as the bat that you're going to and so there was a perfect picture that he had on this facebook post of mike trout um and his shoulders like at a slight angle and the bat is at the same angle and his hips are at the same angle and anyone who would look at that like an announcer said, well, look, he's getting into the launch position. Uh, like, no, dude, he's actually swinging down at the ball to get to that point really fast. And now he's going to be driving through the ball. And the through the ball part, it looks like it's upward, but it's not. It, it was down. It's like the Nike swoosh. If you look at your, your shoe, yeah. look at, at the top the top of the Nike, the short part of the Nike swoosh, it's short and down and then long through. That's 
that's what the, these guys are talking about and hitting. And I'm not sure how we got into this tangent, but you know, I could talk about hitting for hours. <laughs> that's right. I, I, uh, Eric, you got anything else? Cause I think it's about time to wrap it up. Anything else you want to talk about or anything you want to um, tease for our next show? Uh, like I said, let's talk about expansion and, uh, and some rule changes for the next show. Okay. You got it. I think, um, I think you and I should, uh, you know, powwow uh, off air and uh, let's line up a few guests, uh, friends of ours. This is a real easy format uh, to reach us. Well, we can uh, give you our special inside phone number. Um, you call in and um, and maybe we should uh, invite some of our friends who are, are super fans of some teams to tell us why they think their team is so great. Maybe we give each person five minutes um, to, to, and then we'll, we'll decide who gave the best uh, presentation and then, um, We'll uh, figure out some kind of special prize that they get or something along those lines. We need to have fun with this show, Eric, right? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, great idea. Okay, perfect. Perfect. So, all right, everyone, appreciate you listening to Driving Them In with Jim Campanis Jr. and Eric Lenneberg. Uh I've actually driven on my almost two-hour – well, it, it actually, I got home kind of quick this time. I'm uh hour and 25 minutes, pretty good, uh, pretty good commute for me, uh, <laughs> all things considered, <laughs> Los Angeles at all. But, Eric, love it. Let's uh, get together next week, and uh, we'll talk about expansion. In the meantime, uh, you can catch our previous shows um, all over where podcasts are distributed, uh, like iTunes, um, Stitcher. What are the other ones? Like, oh, it's on Google. Uh, there's like eight other places where you can catch this podcast. Uh, certainly right. look on, uh, on, uh, on, on my Facebook page, Jim Campanis Jr. Uh, it also feeds to my Twitter handle, which is at Jim Campanis. Uh, Eric, where can people find your stuff? Uh, Eric Lennerberg on Facebook. On Twitter, it's at Dr. of Baseball, D-R of Baseball. So uh, they can find that broadcast of both those places, too. Awesome. All right, so we'll be trying that. We'll be getting this uh, thing up. And then uh, in the meantime, uh, Eric, I'm looking forward to the next show. And then, um, uh, you fans, uh, stay tuned. We're going to have a, a bunch of new stuff coming up. Uh, hopefully, we're going to be doing this weekly. And uh, we'll uh, we'll line the the shows up, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll end up with hopefully a nice little catalog uh, over time. And um, and as you know, Eric, I'm a, 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 a advertising marketing guy, so I'm just going to mention that um, today's show has been sponsored by Mac Weldon, my favorite underwear and socks and sweats. And Eric, they gave me my own promo code. Can you believe it? So oh, unbelievable. If, Yep. If you're if, if you have never tried Mac Weldon underwear, socks, or uh, any of their other apparel, uh, go to MacWeldon.com. Click on uh, when you get to the part where they wanted you to put in a promo code. Uh, promo code is Campy C A M P Y twenty Campy twenty, and you get twenty percent off your first purchase uh, with fifty dollars at a, a threshold of free shipping. So buy a couple of pair of their fantastic underwear. Uh, you'll Oh, you'll you'll tell yourself, wait a minute, I think I need to have all my underwear, which happened to me, by the way. I now have several weeks' worth of Mack Weldon underwear uh, because I cannot wear those crappy Hanes or those other uh, you know lousy underwear anymore. Um, so do yourself a favor, MacWeldon.com. Use the promo code CAMPY20. Uh, and, Eric, we'll, uh, we'll get some more sponsors on this show as we uh, get going so that we can, you and I can maybe travel a little bit. And uh, maybe even have uh, live some live guests on um, down the road. So thanks again, right. Eric, for a great show. And uh, thank you, Campy, speaking with you once again. All right, from uh, from driving a man with Jim Campanis and Eric Lenneberg, we are out. <laughs>